Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. God's been really, really good to our Victory Church of His Presence family, and we're so grateful. Amen. I'd like you to go tonight in your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And I've got to get another drink before we get started. Look at this painting behind me, hey? Diane Steele and her husband Greg, they're home tonight. They're watching. I know they're watching. Diane and Greg are home. This prophetic piece of art, Diane is one of the artists amongst our body here. This prophetic piece of art is out of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8 about the bowls that are being filled with the incense of the prayers and the intercession of the saints that are being lifted up before the throne of God. Isn't this amazing? Amazing. She just had it digitally done this past week. You can order one of these in this size all the way down to postcards. She's now ready. She is now ready for orders. Uh, we are so very excited. I've, I've got friends. We've got family members that want an exact replica this size in their house. And um, Diane can have those done. Isn't this phenomenal? Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, when she... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. When she completed the work, she just she stood back in awe and just said, Lord, that, that was all you. And uh, it was such a gift. She, she yes, yes, Mark. How do you order them? Um, you'll contact Diane Steele. Yes. Yeah, well, she doesn't have a website yet. This is a first, guys. This is a first. Do you understand? This is, this is a first fruits. That's amazing. I'm standing in the way. <laughs> This is the first fruits. So um, Diane will be here next week, and she is setting up everything with her company and with her website, and it's, it's pretty exciting, but obviously you can, you can call her. And, and she gave me permission to put her number on our Family of Fire private site as well, so you can reach out to her. Okay, did I say the book of Matthew? Okay, let's go there. Thank you, Kathy. 16. Matthew 16, you're welcome, that's right, (laughs) keep the pastor straight, Matthew 16, This um, this is a very familiar passage to I believe most of this body, most of this family, some of this material tonight, some of this revelation will be repetition, some of it will be new dimensional. But however the Holy Spirit begins to impart it, I believe that this is what I truly believe. The Holy Spirit is giving us an invitation and summonsing us into a total different dimension and realm of authority and power in these last days. This is an extraordinary passage of scripture and a moment in history where it was a watershed moment where everything changed. 
And Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. They came into the region, and I'm in verse 13. Are you there? We thank you for your word, Lord. It is spirit and life. Thank you, Father. May fire go forth tonight. Fire and revelation, God. Speak. Speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak. God, thank you. God, move through me your messenger, God. Thank you. Your word is already incorruptible, powerful. Ignite us tonight, Lord. Just say that. Lord, ignite me tonight. Ignite me. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, and he says, who, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some, some are saying that John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, that's baffling, isn't it? That, that answer alone is a baffling answer. That's amazing what people were trying to identify who Jesus really was. Or one of the prophets, and then he said to them, and here's the question, who do you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, he answered and he said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him and he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in the earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes to be killed and raised on the third day. Wow. Since the unveiling or the emerging of the coronavirus. We have been through the shutting down of cities, the shutting down of borders, the shutting down of nations, the shutting down of global economies, the shutting down of governments, the, the shutting down of farms and farmers. The shutting down of businesses, the shutting down of markets, the shutting down of churches, the shutting down of parks, you name it, except Walmart. It's extraordinary. It's a sign and a wonder. Who knew Walmart was so strong? What are the odds? Who knew? What are the odds? Are you with me tonight? Shutdowns everywhere. We've been confined to... Dial down to our own address. I remember when I was reading our quarantine layout as we were all informed that the next month we would have to be in our homes. And, I, and as I read along there, I was informed that I could walk my dog only 250 feet from my front door after 11 p.m. or I could be turned in. 
Snickers didn't take that well. Not at all. I remember reading those parameters, and I, as, as you were, I was looking at everything that was being implemented, and I began to ask this question, God, is this America? Where are we? Where, where are we, God? This is not America. It felt like we were entering into the twilight zone. <laughs> but what we are all beginning to understand We are all beginning to discover we are living in a time, write it down, of engineered chaos. We are entering into a time of engineered chaos that is demanding your compliance. It is an engineered chaos that is demanding your compliance. And I think all of us are warming up to the understanding or the revelation right now that this is a test drill for a new world governance and a control that desires to manipulate and dominate the entire earth. And I want to go on the record tonight to tell you that I believe, I believe this decade is going to be a decade of profound revelation in terms of end-time biblical prophecy. I believe the 20s, this decade, is going to be the greatest decade of revelation knowledge. God leading his people now through the opening of the scroll, the opening up of divine revelation to give us a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, eyes that can truly see, ears that can truly hear, a heart that is able to discern the hour that we are in so that we are sober, that we are at attention and we understand our times. And we understand what is about to be unveiled through biblical prophecy. I also want to say this tonight. I also believe that we are going to see a profound unveiling of the true church of Jesus Christ that he is building. Come on! I believe there is a mighty deliverance coming to America from the fake and false church. And I believe the the true church that Jesus is building is about to manifest with power, wonders, signs, healings, the miraculous exploits like we have never dreamed was possible. Come on. Come on, church. The church that Jesus is building is far, far exceedingly greater than than just some geographical location or a geographical location where a campus is able to hold meetings maybe once or twice a week and and they have great coffee and great contemporary services. No, the church that Jesus is building that's about to come in full manifestation is the true ecclesia that Jesus said, I'm going to build this in the gates of hell. It's not going to prevail against it. Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. We've been to Caesarea. Many of us in this room have been to Caesarea Philippi. And we walked into that mammoth cave where there are those broken down ancient ruins to false deities, false gods, to Zeus, to Pan, to Nemesis. 
where they would literally sacrifice. There was blood and human sacrifices of children. And they would fill the river that flowed through Caesarea Philippi. They would fill it with blood, the blood of sacrifice to let it flow down through to reach into the Jordan all the way down south through the Jordan River of Israel down to the Galilee and make its way on down to the Dead Sea. Why did they do that? To desecrate the nation. To desecrate the nation. Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus says to them, he takes them to this geographical location where all kinds of demonic powers are being spawned and being loosed, and they're doing their best to destroy a nation. you got to see this picture. There's these three places and altars of worship, and Jesus takes them to this place where there's all kinds of darkness and powers. He says, I want to let you guys know something. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you bind upon the earth, it'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in the earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I love these two words. For those of you that enjoy the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, whatever you permit in the earth is already permitted in heaven. Whatever you forbid in the earth is already forbidden in the heavenly places. Whatever you permit, whatever you forbid. Are you hearing it? Whatever you permit, whatever you forbid. See, this is, this is a realm of power. Why, why are we going here tonight? Because I think that we've barely scratched the surface on the authority and the power that Jesus has longed for his church to exercise and demonstrate as sons and daughters of the kingdom in the earth realm. Jesus never would have told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, if it were not possible. If it were not possible. And Jesus told us in John 15, He said that, excuse me, John 5, John 5 verses 19 and 20, He said that He only said what He heard the Father saying. He only did what he saw the Father doing. This was the pattern. And so if Jesus was saying it, that means that he had authorization to say it from the Father. If Jesus was doing it, he was demonstrating what the Father was doing in the unseen realm and manifesting it for us in the natural realm to show you he and the Father are one. We're of the same mind. We're of the same heart. We're we're of the same union. We're of the same desire. If you hear me saying it, Papa's saying it. You got it? So when he tells us to pray that thy kingdom should come, thy will should be done on earth as it is in heaven, where is it coming from? It's coming straight from Father himself. I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind or you forbid in the earth, whatever you permit or loose, it's going to be loosed in the heaven, in the heavens. Now, the disciples' answer to Jesus' question is now imperative. It is paramount that they answer this question right. And I've said before, Jesus doesn't really care about his political polls. 
Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus is not really interested in his political polling right now. And, and surely Jesus was not confused about his own identity. Hey, hey, who are people saying that I am? I mean, how's my polls doing down in the Galilee? How, how's my polls doing down near the Dead Sea? And what are people saying about me? I mean, are they really buying into our campaign? Now, that's not what was going on, my friends. You know that. That's not what was going on. When Jesus asked this question, what was he doing? Jesus was seeking their level of revelation. Write it down. Jesus was seeking their level of revelation. You know, when God asks a question, this may sound really deep and profound to you, but when God asks a question, he's not really seeking or searching for information. He's about to give us a revelation. Are you with me tonight? He's seeking to awaken something within us. Because revelation awakens us. I, I say it to you a lot around this house. That revelation is what establishes authority. Say it with me tonight. Revelation is what establishes authority. It, it's, it, it, listen, you can, have, you can have so-and-so lay hands on you so many times you go bald. Authority doesn't come by whoever laying hands on you. It comes by divine revelation. The way to grow in authority and power in the kingdom is through divine revelation. What comes alive in your spirit? So Jesus is asking the question, who do you say that? Who do you? Who do you say that I am? He's seeking for their level of revelation and after hearing their response, uh, Jesus, Jesus turns to Peter hearing his response. He says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he turns and says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Now, what we're doing right now, we're not just historically going through the context of Scripture. We're going someplace. We're moving along right now in the Spirit. Are you with me? You didn't get this in the natural realm is what he's, that's just my, my Gibbs take on it. You didn't get this from anything in the natural. It didn't come by your natural senses. It didn't come by your natural mind. Your natural mind will always be at war or at enmity or fight against the things of God unless it is renewed. That's why we've been commanded to renew our mind. The greatest enemy of the church is not Satan. The greatest enemy of the church is the unrenewed mind. And so he asked, who do men say that I am? He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. My father in heaven has given you this watershed revelation. Now, this is a transformational moment. It is a transformational moment. And I believe in this decade, we are going to hit transformational moments. We are about to hit, in this decade, transformational acceleration moments of power and authority through revelation that's going to come upon the church that we're going to see exploits that are going to blow our minds. It's going to rival and surpass the book of Acts. Come on! Come on! 
It's a deluge moment. Oh, I shouted like that. I, I was like, wow, that sounded like Kim Clement. <laughs> Come on. Yes, I like that. It's a good roar tonight. Still got a voice tonight. Thank God. I still have a voice. We started praying over there, and I got nervous. Then we got in worship, and I was like, save yourself, Brian. Dear Jesus, save yourself. I was just, ah. Didn't want to hold back. But when he receives this revelation, when Peter receives this, it is an eternal revelation that is now shifting into time. And revelation has the ability not only to shift us, but it has the power to shift an entire city. A revelation from God can shift the entirety of the United States of America. We served a mentor years ago, and he would always say these words. He'd say, you're one revelation away from a breakthrough. (laughs) I can still hear him shouting that. You're one revelation away from a breakthrough. And you know what happens when revelation knowledge comes into your spirit? Your spirit stands at attention, and suddenly you know what you didn't know. But you're not knowing it by the natural. You're knowing it by your spirit, and it's more real than anything else. And now it's yours forever. I said it's now it's yours forever. And no one can take it away from you. It's your inheritance. There's many moments like this in Scripture. One of those moments is with Abraham on the Mount Moriah. And when he's ready to sacrifice his promised son. Or the moment when Moses meets God at the burning bush. He receives a commission to deliver an entire nation. Did you hear what I just said? He receives a revelation of God that ends up becoming a deliverance to an entire nation. He went from being a shepherd to a national deliverer. (laughs) Some of you heard that. He went from being a shepherd to a national deliverer by a revelation. By a revelation, it changed the nation. It took those who were in bondage and tyranny and slavery into liberty and freedom. Revelation did that. Are you with me? Are you with me? David shows up at a battle. This is another one of these epic moments where revelation comes. And his heart is burning for God. And he shows up and... People aren't doing very much, and he gets riled up. Why, why aren't you doing anything? What are you sitting around talking for? You've been talking for 40 days. Again, prophetically. You've been talking for 40 days. Wait, how, when are you going to engage this thing? Who's going to fight this giant? You see, it was a moment of revelation of knowing who his God was, and David knew who he was in his God. And revelation took him to taking the head off of a giant. And it shifted a nation into victory. Elijah. Elijah faces 850 false prophets of Baal 
on Mount Carmel, backed up by Ahab and Jezebel. This is another watershed moment of revelation that shifted an entire nation under bondage, under the tyranny, slavery of witchcraft. And the prophet bows down. The altar is made. He bows down and he begins to intercede for fire to come down from heaven. And how many of you know the story? The fire was released from heaven and consumed the entirety of the offering. Peter now is having his moment of eternity crashing into time. That's what revelation is. It's eternity crashing into your time. And now he has a burst of spiritual divine clarity. And he recognizes that Jesus has transcended as the word of God become flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word that was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he looks into the eyes of Jesus. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. My father in heaven. And because this revelation has now been given, behind that revelation is the backing of all the authority of heaven. Behind the revelation is now all the backing of heaven, I give you keys. Keys to the kingdom of heaven that you can bind and you can loose. Now, look this way, my friends. You and I are still trying to get our minds renewed to this. I mean, I've been reading this most of my life. But I keep having the Holy Spirit court me summons me, issue me an invitation back to this address in your Bible, my Bible that's sitting in your lap, your Bible that's sitting in your lap, my Bible that's here, not on my lap. Matthew 16, the Holy Spirit keeps taking me back here. It's time to receive an upgrade in Revelation in this hour. This is going to be the greatest decade of exploits. Come on, go ahead, come on. We've talked about this many times, that this word that Jesus said, he said, I'm going to build my church, and we know that that word is ecclesia. Say it tonight, ecclesia. It's a Greek word. Now, we all sound so smart when we say it. It's ecclesia. You didn't know it was ecclesia? Well, yeah, it's ecclesia. But what Jesus was saying is... (laughs) It's far greater and far different from the church that we think about that's being built right now. Especially the, what the Americanized church has been able to produce. Do you know the Americanized church has been able to produce a lot of stuff? Are you with me tonight? They produced a lot of things, but I have a sneaky suspicion or a feeling that Jesus was thinking something far superior, something far greater than what we have called and celebrated 
as church in America. I believe God's been dreaming all along for this last day outpouring. And this generation where God is the one who always saves the best wine for last. He always saves the best wine for last. It's going to come by revelation. It's going to come by revelation. Notice I didn't say it's going to come by crisis. A lot of people sink in crisis. Do you hear what I said? It doesn't come by crisis. It doesn't even come by just being in the wine press. People fail in the wine press. Jesus could have failed in the wine press. Jesus could have failed. He said if there would be any other way. If, I mean, from that time, Jesus began to tell them, we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer all kinds of things, and you're going to see me killed. Can you imagine that? After everything that they've seen Jesus do, he's turning the world upside down, curing every known disease, opening the eyes of the blind, healing lepers before their very eyes, turning cities upside down. And he says, we're going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over, and mankind's going to do their worst to the Son of Man. You watch. I mean, no wonder Peter was baffled, and he pulls Jesus aside. That's what it says. He takes, I mean, I mean, can you imagine that? It'd be like, you know, Mark grabbing a hold of me and taking me, hey, Brian, and just taking me aside. That's what Peter did to Jesus. Hey, let me, let me talk to you, Jesus. What are you talking about? Are you out of your mind? And Jesus had to rebuke him. And he says, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand what's going on. But he also rebukes Satan himself, who was trying to destroy and ambush Peter. This is a watershed moment. The intentions of Jesus is to give birth to the ecclesia. And the ecclesia is not some cool, hipster church with skinny jeans how many have skinny jeans on tonight? <laughs> are you happy you're wearing your skinny jeans? I know which jeans are my skinny jeans. I know which ones are my fat jeans. And I hide those away. And I, when I see them, I'm like, I'm not having fellowship with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not wearing you. You're staying right there. Are you with me? I'm, you're just leaving me up here. You're hanging me out to dry. You're like, uh, Brian, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're on your own there, buddy. <laughs> you're on your own. Okay, back to the message. It's not some cool hipster church. It's not just a church that just thinks they can be culturally relevant. It's the church that Jesus is building has the power to build the culture of heaven in the earth. That's the key. That's the key. See, the disciples understood this word, ecclesia. We've talked about it many times. We're talking about it tonight. They understood that the ecclesia was those through understanding what the Romans did. Once they conquered Israel, once they conquered every nation, they sent out the apostleships. The apostleships were, they were loaded down with the highest level of influencers from science to education, to medicine, to government, to the arts, to philosophies, ideologies. Those apostleships were loaded down with the leading thinkers 
innovation, creativity to be sent forth into that nation that was captured under Rome to make it look like Rome. So that, here's the example. Uh, Jesus went before Pontius Pilate. Remember that? Where did Pontius Pilate come from? He came from Rome. But when Pontius Pilate arrived, Israel had already been Romanized. So it looked like the culture of Rome. Do you understand? So when Pilate arrived, there was already a structure, a template laid out that looked like the order of Rome. You see what I'm saying? So when Jesus tells them, I'm going to build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, he says, I am going to legislate my ambassadors to go and set up, if you will, these are the words that I keep hearing the Lord tell me, set up the embassy of heaven. The embassy of heaven. So that when you establish the very the very priority of the throne and the authority of God in the earth realm, the earth will begin to start looking like it does in heaven. Revelation can transform a life like that. But revelation can also transform a city. Revelation can also transform a nation. See, do you, do you understand why it's so vitally important that we pray and we intercede that those that are around President Donald John Trump have the thundering and the lightnings of God going off in their spirit? Because if they're carriers of revelation and they understand the hour and if they understand the word and if they begin to speak with authority, they begin to speak with anointing, they begin to speak with clarity into his life, this is the word of the Lord to give him a spirit of understanding. Do you understand how important it is, folks? Revelation can change this nation. called an ultimate comeback. It's not because Donald Trump is smart enough or brilliant enough. This is beyond his intellect. This is beyond his ability. This is beyond his gifts. This is so far beyond him. This is why we need the counsel and the wisdom of Almighty God to crown him. And it's got to come through messengers that know their God and have revelation burning in their spirit. Woo! Come on. I'm glad you're here tonight. I can hear you a little bit better tonight. The disciples understood the ecclesia to mean this, elders. Write it down tonight. The ecclesia, they were elders. They were social watchmen. That's a key word tonight. The elders were social watchmen. They were, they were watchers. They were gatekeepers, literally gatekeepers. It's where the ecclesia would always meet, at the gates of the city. They always met at the gates of the village. And what they would do there is they would decide the customs of what, what and how a culture would be set up. They were the ones that decided the ecclesia at the gates decided how the village would function, what was acceptable, Behavior, what was non-negotiable, unacceptable behavior, and what was punishable behavior. You getting this? It's called the creation of society. It's called legislating rules, legislating laws to say, 
we're, we're okay with this. This has our blessing. We're not okay with this. This does not have our blessing. And what, by, by saying it doesn't have their blessing, what are they saying? Here's the word. It's forbidden. It's forbidden. The ecclesia was the one, the ones that, that they were the architects of how the village would structure their life. And so they, the, the understanding of the disciples, they knew the ecclesia were elders. They were social watchmen. They were gatekeepers. They were ones that governed the affairs of the culture. They set the agenda. Are you hearing this with your spiritual ears? I'm talking to you what your divine calling is. What our divine calling is for this city, for this region, we are to set the agenda. We're to set the order. We're to set the priority. We're the ones that are saying that is not forbidden and we are standing against that or we are loosing this and blessing this. A simple example of this is legislating a, a, a governor for, for, for the state of Florida. I mean, when I, when I look at Governor DeSantis' leadership, powerful leadership, excellence in leadership, sober, vigilant, has his head screwed on straight. It wasn't four weeks ago that we found out that Gillum was down in Miami, Florida, in a hotel room with two other guys, and the room was loaded with drugs and meth. How would you have liked that for your leader? It's amazing how all these things are being discovered. It's amazing. You see what I'm saying? It looks like we voted right. It looks like we voted properly. It looks like we forbidden what should have been forbidden. It looks like we said, yep, this is what is to be legislated. You see in it? You see in it? It's simple, isn't it? It's simple. The ecclesia met at the gates. And speaking, <laughs> speaking of the gates, I've been shutting the gates to Bill Gates' agenda as well. Come on! Come on! Shutting off his spigot of what he wants to spawn and release in the earth. We are praying it's totally uncovered, overturned, and exposed. We've been declaring, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. And let the nations cry out, we don't want this. Jesus has commissioned us as his ambassadors. We got Bible for that, right? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are Christ ambassadors to bring reconciliation, to loose heaven into the earth, heaven into cities, heaven into the population. The disciples understood by definition that the ecclesia was a governmental assembly. Now, you're looking at me, and these are things that you're going to hear me say six months, five months, a year from now. You're going to keep hearing me say this. Why? Because God is summonsing us into a revelation so that authority and power can be released and we can start transforming the educational system in this entire coastal region so that we can transform the whole governmental landscape of this region. It's a governmental assembly. 
They understood that they were, they were the ruling council in the earth. That's what God has called us. In Ephesians, it says that Jesus is the head of the church. And then it says that we are the body. Jesus is the head eternally in heaven, but we are the body. And the body marching through time throughout every generation is linked to the head for the purpose of manifesting thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you seeing this tonight? Still with me? (laughs) I've got nine pages of notes. We're only on page five. Y'all okay? Dear God, I don't know if you're okay tonight. This is a big point tonight, and I want you to write it down. This is a big point. I'm moving ahead through a number of things. The ecclesia, which is the church, the church, has to first and foremost recognize this revelation. Jesus holds all authority. That's the, that's the foundation. That's the foundation. If you do not have this foundation that Jesus holds all authority, what is coming between now and 2030, should Jesus tarry, you could really get shipwrecked if you don't have an abiding revelation in you that Jesus holds all authority. He holds all power and authority, and you are under his rulership. That's why you're not to be afraid. You're not to be afraid. No matter what man does, no matter what demonized systems do in the earth, no matter what antichrist governments, new world governments, everything that is coming, accelerating rapidly on the face of the earth, you're not to be afraid. You're not to be afraid in this hour. How's that going to happen, Brian? Revelation. Revelation of whose you are, of him in you, you in him, authority and power being given to you. Are you with me? I believe that right now the church is going through a a massive transformation and an understanding in this, this, this revelation of authority and power. And it's going to continue. My God, it's going to continue. This is a big point tonight. A big point. The ecclesia is founded on apostles and prophets. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, verse 23. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Why is this important? That we have an understanding that the ecclesia, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Say it. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Say it. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. But laid within that is the apostles and the prophets Why is that so important? Apostles are sent ones. Say it. Apostles are sent ones. Prophets are visionaries. Say it. Apostles are sent ones. Prophets are visionaries. Say it again. Apostles are sent ones. Prophets are visionaries. Why why is this important? Because the wineskin that we have been rolling in in the system of the American church has all been pastoral and teachers. It's completely different from the apostolic and the prophetic. Now, why is this important for this hour? Well, I'm glad that you asked. 
The ecclesia are the ones who build God's seat of authority. And the apostles and the prophets are the ones who prioritize that it should be on earth as it is in heaven. We've had a lot of pa- a great pastoral ministry, great evangelistic ministry, great teaching ministry, feeding the flock, loving the flock, affirming the flock, growing the flock in teaching. But it's different from an anointing of sent ones and visionaries, apostles and prophets. Why? Because they lay the plumb line of the purpose, the sole purpose, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. It's a big deal. It's a revelation. Did you hear me? It's a revelation. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. He said, My house shall be called, say it with me, a house of prayer. You see it? My house shall be called a house of prayer. There's the prayer. There's the worship. There's the incense arising. It'll be a burning house of prayer, a burning house of worship, of incense going up before God. And I got to tell you, I, I don't have a clue to understand why God has bowls in heaven. <laughs> Did you want some deep revelation on that? I mean, the Apostle John, he just gets taken up. He hears a voice, come up here. Come up here. And John beholds, there's bowls in heaven. And the angel tells him, what's going on inside of those bowls is the prayers of the saints that are arising before God. It's the incense and the burning of the prayers of the saints coming up out of the earth. And what are they doing? They're filling bowls. I mean, let's just say that God is beyond brilliant. He's beyond my, uh, my little brain. He's beyond my, my little understanding. But there's something about the heart of God that has to be discovered with this. There's something that in the way that God works with all humanity through the burning of prayer. You ain't going to get anything being casual and content and apathetic. You have to be a burning heart to pursue God with all that you are. And every one of us has to learn. I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now. Are you with me? Every one of us has to learn the mystery and the power and the beauty of a real prayer life. Of what it means to burn before God alone. Didn't it feel amazing to burn in here together tonight? I mean, there were moments in worship I was like, dear God, the roof's going to come off of this place. It was so glorious. But it begins in the secret place. If it doesn't, then all we're doing in here is performance. And if, and if that's all it is, you, be, you actually begin to deceive your own self. If, if you only lift your hands in church, you're in trouble. I'm talking to you, not down to you. You have to lift your hands at home. 
you got to worship at home. <laughs> I am so tired tonight. I mean, we, 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 I was up all through the night. But a few nights ago, I was awakened. I went to bed around, I think it was somewhere around midnight. And at 2.15 in the morning, I'm just like, bang, I'm, I'm awakened. And, and our son Josiah, who's up in the mighty balcony tonight, back from New Zealand tonight, come on, is doing his own burn in his bedroom. I mean, there's just worship burning out of his room. And, 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 and at first I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to go to bed. And then I'm like, wait a second. Oh, my gosh, wait a second. He's just burning. And that's where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to interrupt that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not interrupting that. I'm not touching that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Prayer is the power source of the church. Write it down tonight. Prayer is the power source of the church. And I'm going to cut it short tonight. Not shorter, shorter. <laughs> Prayer is the power source of the ecclesia. Prayer is the way that we learn how to strategize and accurately legislate change and transformation for a church or a city or a region or a nation. You see what happens. You see what happens. When and, and, and I'm a visual guy, and that's why I wanted to put this in front of you. And there's something about taking hold. There's something about a prophetic act of taking hold of this. This is why I sit against this every day, that, every day that I'm in the office, and every day I'm not in the office. But every day when I sit down in my chair, this is on my back. But I did it to speak prophetically that God has mantled me for this state. And when I sit behind my desk, in my chair, in my office here at Victory, I know that God's mantled me to decree and release His kingdom for the state of Florida. But there's something powerful about when we come together and what, and, and, and are, have you, have you kind of gotten clued in on what I do? Have you been watching enough? Have you been eyes wide open? Have you noticed that? When it's time for me to come and worship is winding down, that I don't just go, hey, guys, thanks a lot. All right, open your Bibles. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when I come up that we actually move from worship into intercession and prayer? Have you noticed that? And that's what's happened since the time you walked into this church. And we move to decrees. And we move to declare. And we're deliberate about waiting on God so that we can begin to release things over the state or over the city or over the nations or over America. You see what we're doing? It's deliberate. This is where the power is, is released. And what happens is in the burning, in the burning of it, in the burning of, of worship, corporately together, as the, the, the incense is arising, what happens is the kindlings that are in God's heart start burning within you. And you begin to say what God is already saying in heaven. It's what intercession is. Prophecy is speaking to men or to women. Say it. Prophecy is speaking to men. But intercession is speaking to God 
in agreeance, in agreements, what God is already speaking over the earth. It's called, it's just a reciprocal agreement. Am I saying it good enough for you? God needs men and women in the earth realm to agree with Him. God needs men and women in the earth realm to agree with Him. So what is already forbidden in the heavens has to be forbidden in the earth. Thank you. So that what is already loosed and permitted in heaven is now permitted through us to transform cities. So that we say it. That we step into our place of governance so that we don't just look at these guys as worship leaders. You look at them as legislating the will of God. You look at them as legislating the will of God, prophesying the heart of the Lord. This is what God is saying. When Sandra's up there saying, God's going before you. God's going before you. She's not just trying to hype the crowd. <laughs> She's saying, God's going before you. It's a prophetic word that you receive and then you say it back. Kind of like in my preaching, I will say something and I'll say, let's say it together. You see, you see it's, it's a unity. It's an agreement. You have to take hold of it. It's yours. You have to take hold of it. And once it's yours, nobody can take it from you. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a lot here. I'm going to close with this point. I think I'm going to close with this point. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I heard that over here. I, I, I'm thinking it's stirring. It's, I'm feeling something. It's, it's okay. Anyway. I want you to look at this verse. It's in Genesis chapter 22. You guys are awesome. Genesis 22. God tells Abraham this promise. He says, I'm, uh, indeed, I, I'm, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> How many of you want God to speak that over you every day of your life? Well, he has. I, I, I'm going to bless you. Hey, can, can we just get real? Can we just get rid, can we get rid of our filthy poverty spirit? Because you cannot transform cities broke. You know, ministries cannot do, ministries can't, thank you, Victoria, that's my daughter. You know, ministries can't do anything for God when they're broke. You are not, God is not putting gold stars on the fridge next to your pitcher because you're flowing in great lack and poverty. God desires to bless you. Now, now we've put up such defenses in our own spirit because of the stupidity of the American church. Well, don't you preach to me that prosperity gospel. Brother, the only gospel that there is, is the prosperity gospel. 
It's the only one there is. You can't find another. There's not, there's not a poverty gospel. <laughs> Jesus came from heaven to release the riches of heaven into the earth realm. Do you know, I mean, in August, my wife and I celebrate 25 years of marriage, 25 years of full-time ministry. Do you know we've had to believe God for every single thing that we had need of? We had to believe for baby food to go in, in their bottles. We had to believe for diapers. We, we had to believe for medical insurance. We, we, I remember traveling on the road, and we were believing God for medical insurance. And we were at a wedding. The pastor comes up to me and says, hey, this is after a wedding. It's just he and I. He says, God gives me a word for you. He says, you're about to meet a man. This is exactly how the man's going to look. He describes him to a T. When he walks up to you, he's going to ask you what you have need of. Be ready to tell him immediately what you have need of because he's going to meet that need. We drive out of town. It's total truth, isn't it, honey? We drive out of town. We go to the next meeting. This man in the back, I see him come down to the front at the end of the meeting. He walks up to me, and the first thing he says, he says, you're Norwegian, aren't you? That was different. <laughs> you're Norwegian, aren't you? I said, well, yeah, I am. How would you know that? He's like, look at you. You're Norwegian. He's like, my name is Bjorn. Nice to meet you. I'm Norwegian. I'm like, yes, of course you are. Your name's Bjorn. What are the odds? And he says, uh, I need to talk to you. This is really strange. And I'm looking at him, and when, when he's talking, I'm like, he's the guy. Oh, my gosh. He's the guy. He says, I know we're just meeting. This is so odd, but I've got to speak to you. God has put something on my heart. And, and he asked me what my need was. I said, honestly, my need is, is I need medical insurance for my family so my wife and I can have babies. He said, Done. Done. And for how many years did that family write that big check every single month to our ministry? I mean, it's just faithful, 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 faithful. See, God wants to bless you. God wants to take care of you. I know you're, you're warming up to it. Amen, amen, amen. So here's the promise. You're still in Genesis 22? I went down a path. Now I'm back. I'm going to bless you. Watch this. Your seed are going to possess the gate of your enemy. Did you all see that? I'm going to put anointing. That's in uh, verse 17. I heard you out there. I'm, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to put an anointing on you that you possess the gates of your enemy. Are you catching it? Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He takes them to where? The gates of hell. Caesarea Philippi. Are you tracking? Now you're moving. He takes them there. And he says, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. Because I've given you authority. I've given you authority authority, and power, so that when you come, you possess the gates of your enemies. We are not hopeless. 
I think it's pitiful. I think it's pitiful that Christians are throwing up their, their hands right now like there's no hope. Brother, don't you understand? We're just in the last days. Don't you understand the Antichrist? Yes, I do. Yes, I understand Bible prophecy. Yes, I understand the Antichrist is coming. Yes, I understand all those dynamics. I really do. I study them constantly. It's not my primary message. Why? Because Jesus says, he says, this has been relegated to my father. I mean, I'm not going to get in a wrestling match if you're pre, if you're mid, if you're post. A brother, he's coming. Behold, I stand at the door, at the microphone, and I knock. I said, he's coming. He's really coming. I'm not going to get in a wrestling match on your eschatology. What I want you to understand is we cannot lose hope in this hour because I believe before the return of Jesus, we're going to witness the greatest outpouring and exploits of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be by divine revelation. Divine revelation. Running in fire. Running in prayer, running in worship, running in fire, running in prayer, running in worship. Burning men, burning men out of the presence of God. Burning women out of the presence of God. A burning ecclesia out of a city. Because a transformed church, a transformed church can transform a city. A transformed church can transform a city. God is wanting to transform us together. God's trying to transform Brian Gibbs. God's trying to work and transform us together so that we can do this. So that we can possess the gates of our enemies. Oh, my page six, seven, and eight, nine. Oh, I love you. Oh, Jesus, help me. Who said that? Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm thinking about it. Galatians 3, 29. Thanks for encouraging me. I need encouraged too. Everybody needs encouraged. Galatians 3, 29. It shouts to us this promise. It says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Are you getting this in your DNA? You and I. We're created to possess the gates of our enemy. You were not created to roll over. Oh my gosh, here comes the enemy's bulldozer. We have no hope. Let me just get ran over again. Are you kidding me? It's time to rise in righteousness as bold as lions, declaring the mighty word of the Lord that this will not be permitted. It'll not be permitted. This is, see, this is what the church of America has to awaken to. It's got to become a revelation. It's got to become a revelation. And until it's, until it's a revelation, we're just going to keep getting bulldozed. 
And I said it last week, and listen, I don't say these things to sound provocative or whatever or to draw some level of response. The devil's okay. The devil's okay with us having great church services. He's okay with it. He's okay as long as you stay in the church mountain and you enjoy church life and you get encouraged and you get prayer and, and, and you get stimulated through a message and you shout hallelujah. He's all right with all of that. But he's not all right if you go out as the ecclesia of power and start possessing the gates that belong to the children of God. See, he's brainwashed the world. These gates are mine, and you're not touching them. These gates are mine. The entertainment gate, it's mine. You see it? What did he do? He discipled our nation. While we've been having great church, he went off and discipled our schools and our universities. While we have great church services, the enemy is discipling America. We've been commissioned to disciple nations. That's Bible. That's not me. That's Bible. That's Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's Bible. Thank you very much. That was good. Go make disciples of all nations. See, it's going to require revelation. And God's got storehouses that are limitless, that cannot be emptied. He's got rivers and oceans and oceans and eons of cosmos of revelation for the church. And it all came in the package of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, I'm telling you what, we get on fire with revelation. We could change the world. Well, let's just dial it down. We don't have to change the world. Why don't we just change this region? Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. An intercessor, a great apostle. He's a friend of mine. He lives on the other side of the state. His name's Ken Malone. I was introduced to him by our friend, Dutch Sheets. Dutch will be with us this year, too. And this morning, I saw him post the sun coming up on the East Coast. (laughs) And he was worshiping to the Lord, and he was making declarations as he was. And I just caught wind of it, and I was like, oh, yes, Lord. And I just began to declare what he was declaring on the Southwest Coast. And then I began to just think about it, about just the networking of hearts and the networking of authority, the networking of revelation, what God's going to do in this great, great state. I just want to hold this all night long. I keep giving it back, and then I take it, and then I <laughs> Folks, I believe something, something extraordinary faith is coming. I mean extraordinary. I believe we're tapping in to our forerunner, forerunner mantle. When, when, when Chuck Pierce and Dutch Sheets went and prayed over all 50 states, it was the word that the Lord gave them, Florida is the forerunner state. Florida is the forerunner state. As Florida goes, says, so does this country. 
Who was the forerunner for Jesus? And what did he do? He prepared the way of the Lord. That was his ministry. Don't underestimate what we're doing here in this little church. Don't underestimate what we're doing here in this little church. Don't underestimate it. I say that to you as an encouragement. I mean, the devil's always messing with me. He's always, he's always lying to me. You know, if he's talking, he's lying. Y'all, y'all figured that one out? You're a joke, Brian. You'll never have a property. You have to use everybody else's stuff. You got to use everybody else's stuff. You got to use everybody else's building. You got to rent from everybody else. You, I've been doing this for 15 years in this region, using everybody else's stuff. <laughs> I know. I know, I know, I know. There is a move of God coming to Florida. That's the only reason the Gibbs family live here. That's the only reason. I'm not in, I mean, I love the beach. <laughs> Y'all know I love the beach. It's my, it's my office. <laughs> so, I love the beach. I love the palm trees. I love the seagulls. I, I love our city. I mean, I... But I'm really not here for that. I'm not here for just the water or the tranquility of, of our, our way of life here. And I relish it. I thank God for it. I mean, right now, I don't want to be living in Michigan. Look at that leadership. They're locked away for another month. Ohio's locked away for another month. Here we are. Here we are. Think about how good God is. Here we are. Our state is reopening in phase one. The church is reopening in phase one underneath President Trump's regulation of, of phase one coast to coast. Think about it. It's just, I believe we're going to come in to the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're going to be part of it. Don't underestimate our prayers, what we say in here as a family, what we do, how we burn. Do not underestimate what we are doing here. Amen. I'm closing with this. I really am closing. <clears throat> There's an anointing on us to possess the gates of our enemies. That's our promise. We're heirs to the promise. We are offspring and children of Abraham. And this blessing is upon us. It's not just upon the children of Abraham of the natural seed. You, you, you don't replace the natural seed. Do you understand? We don't believe in replacement theology in this church. You don't replace Israel. But the promise of God is upon you because you've come through, as it says in Romans, becoming true children of Israel by putting your faith in the Son of God. That's how you became a son of Abraham. You got saved. So these promises are ours. Did you all understand what I just said? You get that? There's an anointing. Go ahead and come, Cody. I can see you on the edge of your seat. You're like, I think it's time. I think he's ready. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Is he going to go four more pages? I think not. Um, this anointing is on us. It's going to require an, a serious major upgrade in Revelation 
and learning how to cooperate with God in the place of prayer and worship and decrees and intercession. There's a, look, there's a whole new, new wineskin that God wants to give victory. And it's not just going to look like what we're doing. It's going to look like a burning furnace continually of prayer all the time where people can come into victory and there's worship going, there's prayer going. People can get, they can get prayer, they can receive healing, they can receive miracles, they can receive breakthrough. I mean, we're not just, guys, we're not believing for a, a, a property so that we can be open two days a week. I, I, you know, it may surprise some of you. I, I work more than two days a week. <laughs> anyway, God has a great dream and a great plan for our state and for his people. And you're part of it. You're part of it. Say it, I'm part of it. Say this, God has written me into his great story. He's going to prosper me. He's going to bless me. I'm an agent of change. I'm an agent of transformation. And together we're going to possess the gates of our enemies. Let's stand. Thanks, Cody. Words sound more anointed with keyboards underneath of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get my Reinhardt Bonke voice ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I almost said, take a hand next to you. We can't do that this week. Let's lift our hands. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your presence and the anointing that's dropping upon us and resting upon us. Holy Spirit, we pray tonight that you would rest on us, that you would, you would rest tangibly on us in thick, thick power and presence. And we know it. We feel it. You're here. We, we ask for the receiving of a greater revelation and a spirit of understanding what you have given us, a spirit of wisdom, revelation knowledge of all that you have given us so that we can bring heaven into the earth in power and authority, so that we can triumph over all the works of the devil so that we can triumph over sickness and disease. Say amen. So that we can triumph over sickness and disease. So that we can triumph over poverty and lack. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I, I say... With the agreement of our family tonight, I say do what you desire to do at Victory. Just as we sang tonight that we'll go with you anywhere. I'll go with you anywhere you want to go. I'll go with you anywhere you want to go. 
Lord, we believe one day abortion will not be happening in Sarasota. We believe one day it will not be happening in the United States of America. God, we're contending. We're contending. God, we're going to possess even the gate of the Supreme Court. That gate is going to be cleansed. That gate is going to be purged with fire, unstoppable fire. It's going to be cleansed. It's going to be purged. Swing wide the gates open so the King of Glory can come in tonight. Come on. Swing wide the gates. Just take your arms and just swing wide the gates. As a prophetic act, just as I've been holding this flag, as a prophetic act, I want you to swing wide your arms. Swing wide the gates and say, come in, King of Glory. Come in, King of Glory. God, we want to be humble, but we want to be bold. We want to be humble, but we want to be brave. And we want to ask, God, that you will do something extraordinary here in our region and that every one of us will play a vital part in this hour. God, we step into your dream. Just take a step forward. God, I step into your dream. Take a step forward. I step into your dream. God, I step into your vision, your intention for me. I step in. I'm a part, God. I'll go with you wherever you want me to go. I step in. I step by faith, God. I believe you're using me. You're going to use me. You're going to use us together to transform the city, to transform the region. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. Do it. Do it through us. Victoria, come up here and sing that. Let it rain. Yeah. 
tonight. Some of you may need to linger. Some of you tonight may need to linger in the altars with the Lord. It may be be vitally important for some of you to just linger in the altar tonight. But at any time this evening that you feel like you're really dismissed, make sure that as you leave, you don't congregate in the foyer. Our ushers are ready to help you concerning exiting. We encourage fellowship in the courtyard tonight. You're free to linger and stay right here too. There's not going to be a formal benediction here at Victory tonight. Let's stay with the Lord. Amen. More fire. More Lord. Say it. More fire. More Lord. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this night. I'm so thankful, God. I am so humbled. And I'm so thankful, and I thank you for being with the family. I thank you for encouraging every individual. I thank you for encouraging the church, Lord, that is watching us online. I thank you for partners. I thank you for this family right here, God, this covenant family. God, I thank you for strengthening every person individually. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are providing. You will meet every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you for strengthening and nourishing every heart tonight, God. You are the strength of our life. You are the strength of our life. You're the strength of our family. You're the strength and the hope of our life, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.